Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want to score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good. You're somewhere, maybe it's warmer, just better weather than what we're having. But either way, our official goal on the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayton is to help you kick your morning up to the midday. With that being said, how the show's going to unfold, we always do what's trending, those hot topics and headlines everyone's talking about. They may have a local, national, sometimes an international focus. And then we'll wrap up the first hour with point of view. We've got some different, some really different topics on the table for that. Be curious what you have to say. Also remember, if you ever want to join the conversation, you can. You can call into the show. We actually take callers. We actually listen to what you have to say. 310-807-5211. The chat room is wide open as well if you want to post your comments there. And you can always get social with the show. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at the Maya Kai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? I am Nikki Brayden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Brayden on Instagram. Happy Hump Day, everybody, and the chat room is wide open. All right, and of course, that second hour, because we're on with you until 2 p.m., we're going to kick it off with, hmm, let's see, the French. Those topics that are trending, maybe just not in your timeline, but they're worthy of talking about. And because it's Wednesday, it's more for some real good advice from what would Nikki say as she goes four rounds toe-to-toe with Dear Abby, trying to help out those weird souls that have some situations they really need some direction on, and then we'll wind everything down with some other stories that are out there. So that's how the show is going to play out. Like I said, don't be shy. You can join the conversation. Call in, 310-807-5211. Chat room's open, as well as you know where to find us on social media. You can always get social with us. We're actually going to kick off the show with uh, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like we should even call Jason a guest anymore. No, <laughs> he's been on the show with correspondent. That he's a regular <laughs> contributor at this point. Yes. Jason Coyden Palmer, yes. who is a freelance writer for the Chicago Crusaders, going to drop in to talk to us about Chicago State is going to end their school year early. As you know, there is a budget crisis still going on with a lot of public Illinois universities because Governor mm-hmm. Rahner vetoed the MAP grant. So Chicago State's being proactive, so Jason's going to fill us in on that around 1210. But before we jump into that, we're going to keep consistent. That's the thing we're doing for 2016. So we are officially into the, uh, the Pisces that goes February 19th to March 20th. What's in store for Pisces today? All right. If you have been dreaming about making a change in your life, today will Today you will get the chance to start making your dream come true. This is only the beginning, though. You can't expect any major transformations to happen overnight. If you have unrealistic expectations, you will only get frustrated. If you're working on making a change in your physical being, this is doubly true. Understand that this will take time, but you'll be able to stick with it until your goal is accomplished. So essentially, I just gotta be fat until it happens. Stewardness <laughs> <laughs> is what it's saying. Be patient. Stewardness. Also, <laughs> also, today is your birthday. You share a birthday with Steve Jobs, Floyd Mayweather Jr., O'Shea Jackson, which is Ice Cube's son, and <laughs> Kristen Davis from. Is, okay. is little O'Shea's birthday today? Is little, little O'Shea's, O'Shea's birthday? Yeah, okay, the, birthday, good company there. Floyd Mayweather. Yep, and then it. <laughs> 
tomorrow, because we're not here, you share a birthday with moi and a very another funny lady, Chelsea Handler. So there we go. Look at that. Oh, there we that. go, Pisces. Two, two lady comedians. Look at that on the same yes. day. Okay. There same you have day. it. All right. So, Pisces, keep that in mind in regards to how you should proceed through your day. All right. So what's trending? We always like to, you know, be on top of stories that are out there. There's a couple stories that are really key. One, the Chicago State mm-hmm. is, is key as well yeah. as if you happen to be a person that's ever been slapped with a red light ticket, we're going to talk about that because you're yes. going to love that story. But we're waiting mm-hmm. for Jason Coyden Palmer to call in to talk to us about Chicago State University that is having some major financial issues. Now, you probably should know the backdrop to this story, which is, They've been having financial issues for, for a number of years, but they also received some key monies from the state, which is part of a MAP grant. Once Governor Rauner took over, he really said he was going to balance Illinois' budget, start cutting money from all kinds of places, from education to public health and so on and so forth. And he is in a deadlock with Democrats downstate in regards to passing these bills to get these funding, which is over something like $700 million, to not just Chicago State, but Western Illinois is suffering, Eastern Governor State. There's a lot of public institutions that need these dollars. To help us find out more about this story and how Chicago State is trying to stay afloat, because initially the conversation was, as of March 1st, they wouldn't have the dollars to keep their doors open. Well, they're being proactive and come up with something. Well, without further ado, he's here to fill us in on this. Jason Coyden Palmer, who is a freelance writer for the Chicago Crusader. Okay, so fill us in on what's going on with Chicago State, Jason. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. That weather out there is nasty. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, that's what you did. You got to go to IHOP before you were going to come on the show. So you should have said, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's true, too. So, you know, I had an extra pancake there. <laughs> um, All right. Let, let's talk this CSU situation, though. This thing, um, you know, I first kind of broke the story to you guys about a month ago. Uh, I actually am kind of surprised that it has gotten this far to this point and that the governor has really dug his heels in as far as he has. Um, So the latest news, uh, yesterday the university announced that they have canceled spring break. Um, Spring break was supposed to take place in a couple weeks here in March. Um, What they've done in an effort to save operational cost money and in order to get the students the credits for the full semester, they've basically eliminated spring break, Maya and Nikki, and they've moved okay. the graduation up one week. So okay. they've basically just pushed everything up a week to save them uh, an extra week of operating cost funding, um, right. which is an intelligent thing to do mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. you're, you're saving, you know, seven days worth of operating costs and you're getting the classes in. But I also think it shows you just how dire this situation is, that they have had to come up with these type of creative measures just to get through this semester. And the future right now for the university is very bleak. Um, As I I call you guys this morning, it is bleak. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be a matter of what is the Illinois State Legislature and Governor Bruce Rauner going to do to solve this situation. Um, It's a very high-stake game of politics that they're playing, um, but it seems as though everybody is willing to engage in it despite the massive public protest, despite uh, community leaders going to Springfield and lobbying. I mean, I I haven't seen anything like this before. We're definitely in uncharted waters 
here in Illinois politics, and you know we've seen pretty much everything in this city and state. But yeah. This, this is something, to see a four-year university like this be on the brink of just extinction is the only word I can think of calling it. It's just amazing. Well, you're talking about an institution that's almost 150 years old, which within itself is a really sad situation to see them in. And Governor Rahner, he shows no sign of letting up on this, Jason, because he said on Monday that the state has the power to block any debt offering by to financially you know, distressed school districts. Um, and he's now even looking at Chicago public schools. So, I mean, you look at his agenda and you say, is this about making education more efficient and better in Illinois? I mean, you have to question his motives because these tactics are having more of an impact on students that are coming from low-income areas than obvious, in most cases, students that are not. So his approach to this and the deadlock he's having with the General Assembly is really disconcerting. And it's interesting because Chicago State, their president, Thomas Calhoun, went on record, like, they, they have been thrown in the towel, even though you know they're cutting back that the semester will end April 28th opposed to May 13th, which I think was a smart move to show we're trying to be proactive, mm-hmm. and they have not ruled out that they won't try to have summer classes. But now they're looking at, okay, we've got fewer buildings that we would have to use to sustain and keep things open. So I like the fact that he's trying to be more efficient. But the question is, one, is that enough? And two, here's the real question that's on the table. As a student, as you're looking at your academic career, you yes. have to make a hard choice. Mm-hmm. Are you willing yes. to mm-hmm. kind of carry the torch to the school that you may love, or are you going to put your academic career and on the front burner and go to a different school so then you don't have to worry about, will I you know, not be able to graduate? I mean, it puts Chicago State in a worse situation because if they start to lose dollars because students pull out to go to different schools, then what happens? Well, you you hit on the the uh, article that I've written that'll be published in the Chicago Crusader tomorrow morning. Um, I spoke with August Love, who is the student senate representative. Um, yesterday, he gave me an exclusive interview, and my questions were specifically about students. I asked him what was the morale around the campus right now. He said, on a scale of one to ten, it's probably about a four. He said you can see it on the faces of not just the students, but the faculty who are concerned about their jobs, everybody from the local campus police officers to the secretaries to the food service workers, everyone up there is concerned. So the morale right now at the university is very low. The second thing he talked about was student retention and student recruitment. So if you are a senior and you have already decided you wanted to go to Chicago State or if you're, you know, still kind of looking at possibility of schools, even at this late date, in Chicago State you consider the option. Well, maybe it's not an option anymore. Maybe students who have committed to the school are now looking to go different places. Um, As you know, Maya, Chicago State is also a hub for transfer students, people who may have went Mm -hmm. away to school for a year or two. Maybe they have to come back for financial reasons. Maybe they have Mm -hmm. to come back for academic reasons. Chicago State has always been that viable option. It's one of the reasons why I went there and I graduated from there. Well, now you're going to possibly lose that. And not to mention the current students who are currently there in this situation, they're not having a pleasant experience. They're looking at transferring. So when I spoke to uh, Mr. Love about this, he said there's already been a number of students who told him that they're not coming back. 
no matter what goes oh, yeah. on from this point forward, they're not going to come back at all because they can't risk putting themselves in this right. situation. But then he told me it's something else that I found even more alarming, and when I looked into it, it's absolutely true. There are universities and colleges in neighboring states such as Wisconsin, um, Indiana, and Michigan who right now are taking advantage of Illinois' financial situation the same way they have been able to uh, convince Illinois businesses to move to these neighboring states, they are now getting ready to start targeting, well, they already have. They started targeting um, some of our best college students. So what some schools in Michigan and some schools in Indiana are doing, Maya and Nikki, they are offering Illinois students in-state tuition rates in Michigan and Indiana, even if they are Illinois residents. And why that's important, it's because the in-state tuition costs for Indiana and Michigan universities, for the most part, are cheaper by on average of $1,500 to $2,000 a semester than the in-state student rates are here in Illinois. So wow. you're talking about students possibly being able to save three or $4,000 a year on tuition by just going across the border to a neighboring state to get their education. And, you know, Chicago State students are going to be ripe for the picking in this particular situation because you have these universities who will be more uh, financially uh, stable or soluble right. than Chicago State who will be willing to say, hey, yeah, you can come over here, we'll educate you, and we'll do it at a cheaper price, and you don't even have to worry about if your school is closing or not. That so, is just, you know, that this doesn't situation, surprise me, Jason, at all, that this has become an opportunity, no. and that was part of the concern that I was having is that if a student makes that decision that even though this is where I wanted to go, I have to think about what's best for me, which is only fair. Right, to see absolutely. that other states are taking advantage of this, and I'm not sure, I'd be curious if anybody has made Governor Rahner aware of the damage that he's doing to the state overall by taking this approach is amazing to me. I mean, I get that there's conversation about mismanagement of funds, but yeah. what they found in the investigation they did in December of last year, that Chicago State has really righted the ship from former issues that they've had. So they have made improvements. And something else that I'd like to put on the table that I think is not fair is the conversation that Governor Rahner has about graduation rates. Understand this. When you attend a public university or even a private university, by no means are they fully accountable for their graduation rates. I don't mean to sound insensitive. That applies to schools that are considered to be proprietary schools, a different kind of school. That's schools that used to be like your Everest that would do training like for medical assistance, um, mm-hmm. UTI, the ones that do the training for mechanics, those are considered to be proprietary schools, kind of what you could say job training schools. They actually yes. have to have a graduation and retention rate. Public institutions are not subjected to that. Yes, it's more favorable to see those graduation rates, but no school, whether it's Chicago State, whether it is, let's say, Western, whether it is um, University of Illinois, they're not held accountable for that. And I think it's unfair to put that spotlight because it's incumbent upon the student to be able to do the work to finish the program. Well, and and it's not just that. And, you know, as we've discussed before, Chicago State is a different kind of 
of university. It serves a different kind of population. I mean, just me with my personal story. When I first went to Chicago State when I graduated in 88, um, I went there for a year. I wasn't ready to be in college. I didn't know what I wanted to be. So, of course, I went there, basically didn't go to class, acted the fool, got kicked out. Okay, a couple uh-huh. years later, I, I, I got myself back together. I went the junior college route, got my two-year degree, then reapplied to Chicago State, got back in, then I finished my four-year degree. But my my path to my bachelor's degree took 10 years for me after I graduated from high school. And more often than not, it's students like from my background who are the ones who are going to attend Chicago State. You know, and I tell people all the time, you know, it doesn't matter if you get your degree in four years, 10 years, 20 years. We see sometimes on the news where you'll see an old lady who's 80 years old finally right, getting her bachelor's right. you know, right. degree. It's, it's, it doesn't really matter. So those graduation rates are based on people who enter their freshman year and who leave out, you know, within a certain amount of time, like four right. years. Well, Chicago yeah. State's numbers are always going to be skewed if that's the formula that you're using, because they don't serve that type of student population, but they serve a student population of, uh, there there are students in Chicago State who have been convicted of crimes, who've been convicted of felonies, and have gotten out of prison and read right at their lives and went to school. So now you have these people who are, society has told them, no, you need to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing, and they're being hurt by what this governor is doing. Now, Now, let me say this. I I actually do understand what the governor is doing. I really do. Mm-hmm. I just think it's the wrong thing to do. He's taking the most drastic approach possible to try to fix a financial mess. It would be like in our own personal lives if we just said, you know what, I'm I'm in a bad, tough financial situation. I'm just going to make myself homeless on purpose for two years to save money, I'll eat ramen noodles for food yeah. and just drink yeah. water. You know, I right. won't do any health care. I won't have a car. I won't do it. It's the most drastic thing you could possibly do. Well, you but know what, In an institution Jason, like this, you can't though. really do this. What he's also doing, and thank you for tuning in, too. I said we, see new, we have some new participants in the chat room. Welcome to the show, where we have Jason Coyne and Palmer, who's a freelance reporter for the Chicago Crusader, talking about the current situation with Chicago State, the stalemate that's between Governor Rauner and the General Assembly, which is predominantly Democrat, and not passing the MAP grant, which means Chicago State does not have the dollars, and they're fighting to keep their doors open, and they've made some provisions in regards to deciding to push the semester, pull it back, make it shorter, to finish it out. Part of what I see with Governor Rauner, and, it, and there's a pattern of behavior with him, he is targeting hmm. not just education, he is targeting mental health, he is targeting public health, and he is cutting off what he feels is the fat. In his mind, yeah. mind you, he's a businessman, and the first thing I said is, mm-hmm. yes. you elect someone like this, yes. he's going to think about his politics is built on business, not right. on the concept of civil government, which was the first thing I don't think anybody understood when they elected the man. He's not a politician. So he's going to balance that budget. And here's his mindset. I guarantee you, if I had a conversation with him, I know Bruce Rauner would say to me, Maya, there are X amount of schools in the state of Illinois that if a student really wants to attend, they can. So if there's going to be some fallout for schools that cannot balance their finance appropriately, then they just have to be weeded out because we could put that money in other places. We've given out X amount of dollars for poor performance when yet you could probably list more than 20 schools that would be available to these students. 
So I know what he's saying is the opportunity for post-secondary education is there and secondary education is there. You have to go a different path. I know that's his mindset. If Illinois can stay afloat, if Western can stay afloat, if Eastern can stay afloat, and so on and so forth, students have other options. I know that's his mindset. Yeah. 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 yeah it, Absolutely. It, 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 it's just a really scary, you know, situation. Um, and, you know, when you go into Chicago State and you talk to these students, you know, and you, you hear their background stories, you hear the single mothers who are there who are, you know, trying to better their life so they can better the life of their children. And when you even talk to the professors there, you know, professors who maybe could have worked at a more prestigious university, but who said, you know, I wanted to work here with these kids, with this particular student population, you know, because this is a student, this is a student population that is often ignored and, and not given the proper education they are. I mean, when you talk to, I even know a lot of Chicago State police officers, officers who used to be on CPD or came from other law enforcement agencies, and they wanted to come to a more relaxed atmosphere and provide provide security for the students in Chicago State. I mean, every a lot of the people who work at Chicago State are working there because um, not for the money, not for their professional career, but because they feel like they're having a job and they're also giving back to the community at the same time. And, you know, I understand that there are other state schools that are also in this financial mess, especially Governor's State, especially mm-hmm. Northeastern Illinois, up on the yep. north side. But Chicago State, again, it serves a different type of population. It, it, it does. It's a very vulnerable that's probably the best word we can use, a very vulnerable student population where if many of them lose Chicago State, let's just be honest, some they of them don't are not going to even go back to school. I agree, well, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, because this is not a school of prestige and because I don't want to call it like a low t- – I don't, I don't want to call it a name, but you, you know what I'm saying. It's not a school of prestige. I think that Ronner was looking at it like – it's really unnecessary and go somewhere else. And I really think that this is the first place that you go. I mean, when you start to cut a budget, they always start, let's just be honest, in the hood. They just start closing schools down and everything, and they start there, and they start shutting everything down. And then without realizing that this is not an option to just go somewhere else. Some people don't have it like that, that they just can just transfer and go to DePaul or go to the UIC or something. You don't have that option. So this is it for you. This was your stepping stone. And to wipe that completely out is just sad. It really is because some people don't have that option to move on just that quickly. They really don't. Jason, quick question for you before we let you go. Is it feasible beyond this semester that Chicago State can honestly keep their doors open. I know they're going to finish out the semester, no. which I believe is admirable and the right thing to do. And they're talking about, no. about summer. But do they really have financially what it takes to even truly sustain that? And it's probably not worth the risk of the student, but can they make that happen? I think the sad answer to that is no. No. Um, I think, um, and as I've told you before, as we've discussed on this show, I think um, – Chicago State has done a lot of stuff self-inflicted over a number of decades. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my biggest criticisms of my alma mater is they don't have a relationship with their alumni at Mm -hmm. all. Um, Your alumni is what steps in in a situation like this Mm -hmm. and basically can bail you out. 
When yes. you think of the amount of people who have degrees, both bachelor's and master's from Chicago State University, and, I mean, we have alumni who are making some pretty good change in their own personal life mm-hmm. who do not give a quarter back to the university, that's an institutional problem. And, and you know, it's a question. Um, I, that's one of my main problems with Chicago State. The second problem that I have with Chicago State is, um, as I've discussed before, they don't have a student newspaper. And the university's policy in the past is they get real tight-lipped and offended when you ask them hard questions in terms of why are you not reaching out to alumni? Why do you not have a student newspaper? Why are you doing this? Why are you they, they tend to try to either not answer the questions at all or give you some sort of ridiculous spin answer instead of dealing yeah. with the situation. Um, they have to connect with their alumni. They have to get some money coming in. From so you cannot depend on the government. Let's <laughs> just put it like that. You cannot depend on the state of Illinois. Well, I, no, you cannot I depend on federal endowments. funding. <laughs> no, grants, endowments, and and alumni, you know, actually donating is huge. It's huge. It's a yeah. large component, and you can't that can't be missing as part of the equation. I agree with you on that. All right, Jason, thank you as always, informative and keeping us in the know. Yes. If my listeners would like to make sure they can see your next article that's coming out, or just follow you on social media, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter, jcoyden, J-A-Y-C-O-Y-D-E-N. And you can follow our newspaper online, www.chicagocrusader.com. It's also a brand-new website. We've updated the look on it. It's a lot more smoother. Find a lot more articles. We've got a lot more information on there. we got a lot of good stories. I also did a story on the red light camera situation that you're going to be talking oh. about later on. So that is a very interesting situation. I know I want my money back for my two tickets that I got. I'm right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right. That's going to okay. be well, Jason, if you're willing to sit tight after this break, we'll bring you back and talk about it if you got time because that is the next topic that's on tap. All right. I, either way, everybody, I, I, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring Mickey Nick Brady. Well, the man said, we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. And then he said, we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all.
right, welcome back to my Cosmo Unplugged, featuring comedian Nikki Brayton. We are mashing up some hot topics and headlines. You're always welcome to join the conversation, 310-807-5211. Of course, the chat room is wide open, and you know how to get social with the show. Another story out there that everybody's talking about, and I think every citizen in Chicago is elated, and people in surrounding <laughs> suburbs is hoping somehow this story will flow into where they live. A George Rules against the city of Chicago in regards to the red light camera suit. It declares that tickets are void to fill in this blank for us, and it kind of tells us what this really means. Back from the last segment, Jason Coyden Palmer, who's a freelance writer for the Chicago Crusader. All right, break it down. What does this really mean? Okay, so last Friday, uh, Cook County Circuit Court Judge Kathleen Kennedy uh, ruled all the tickets that the city of Chicago has issued from its red light camera program since 2003 are void <laughs> because the cameras that they're using is basically unconstitutional. Um, yeah. And it also means that a lawsuit that has been filed, a civil lawsuit that's been filed and going working its way through the courts, can proceed. And if the tickets are found to be null and void, that the city of Chicago may have to pay back every person who has received and convicted of and paid the fine for a red light ticket since 2003, and that cost is probably around a half a billion dollars. Yes, it, yes, yes. Wow. I'm proud to say that $500 of that half a billion dollars would be coming back to me. Okay. And Let's 200 of it belongs to me. I have 200 in that pot, and I want it back. Okay, let's be I honest. my money back. City of Chicago doesn't have a chunk of change like that to give back. They were using that for revenue. And I remember, you know, kudos to Mark Wallace, who has a show on yeah. 1690 WVON, who stayed on top of this and was just relentless on the coverage and exposure and really, really spearheading, keeping people aware of this. But part of it, I remember a story came out that talked about how the – the lights themselves, the timing was off. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Given appropriate time to get through the lights, it was inconsistent. Right. All kinds of things, and I'm glad that somebody ruled in favor of of the citizen because I always questioned. This doesn't seem right to me. It really didn't. So this is big, and the question is, will the city appeal it? I'm, I'm sure they're going to appeal it. Well, here's the thing, Maya. Uh, this program has been rife with corruption and everything else from the start. Just last month the city official who was responsible for bringing the program to the city was convicted on 20 counts yes. of accepting yes. bribes of up to $2 yes. million. Dollars. Oh, so wow. John Bills was convicted January 26th. He faces up to 20 years in prison for his actions. Um, you, you mentioned about the timing. Um, that happened uh, two years ago. What happened was they found at the red light camera intersections the yellow light which is right. you know comes on before the red. Someone altered the timing by about a half a second or so that made right. the light turn red faster. And right. It so it looks like you were going through a red tickets. light when you essentially you were going through a yellow light, but because it turns red, it looks like the, it takes a picture and it looks like you were going through a red light. That's what happened to me. I was like, I know I didn't go through a red light, but that's what happened. So it's yellow when you're going through it, but it, then it turns red. They take the picture, you're going through a red light, and then they get their money. Exactly. And, that, and, then, so other thing, and then the other thing, and people know it, like right now it's snowing heavily in the Chicago area. 
in some, mm-hmm. some cir- circumstances, if it's a very heavy snowfall and there is snow on the ground, the sensors of how this technology works gets thrown off by a heavy snowfall and when it's snowed down on the ground, where you can have people who are, nobody was going through the intersection, and all of a sudden the light, the, the strobe light is flashing, taking a picture as if there's a car going through the intersection. Huh. That was another problem with this thing, and that was also a safety hazard because you got this bright strobe light flashing and reflecting off the snow on the ground, and, and it was, it's just been problem after problem after problem. And here's here's the, the best part, Maya, and nobody is really talking about this yet, but I, I know Mark well just as well as you do, and Mark has been talking about this. If they can get the red light cameras to be ruled unconstitutional and have to come down and have to pay back the money, what's going to follow right after that? What did the city do right after that? Oh, I don't know. What did they do? What did they put around the schools and the parks? Oh, those camera, those other cameras, the, the blue the, light cameras, the, the speed cameras. The spe- yeah, the speed oh, cameras. Oh, oh yeah, you know I forgot. They're about all in the same. Oh, it's yeah, all okay. in the same boat. Mm. It's all in the exact same boat. So if they win this case, and this is why the city of Chicago is so scared, if they win the red light camera case. What's going to follow that is all the speed cameras that they put up, where they're getting people for going six miles over the speed limit around a school zone, which I think is 20 miles an hour, or or around a park, and the park ones, I think, go until like 11 o'clock at night, maybe. Um, All those cameras will all fall in the same category, and the city's going to have to take down all those cameras and have to refund the monies that they – we don't know the exact amount for that, but we know they've made millions of dollars off of that program Hmm. as well. Well, So that's why this red light case is so important. What you can expect to hear if the city of Chicago loses this case is a a quote from Sleepy from Popeye, I'll gladly pay you on Tuesday of like 2015. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to happen because the city is broke. Oh, my gosh. Chicago might be talking about bankruptcy at some point because yeah, – they, they might be talking about bankruptcy, Maya, and that is very scary in that, you know, I've been telling people for the last four or five years, you know, people were making jokes about Detroit. Oh, look what Detroit is. And I kept trying to tell people, look, Chicago is not Chicago far is not behind. far behind. If you right. stay on with, with all the money this city has to pay out because of – Cop corruption or shooting people for no reason and all the bribery that's going on and people hiring their relatives who ain't working. You know, city's kind of really in broke. People are just stealing the money. You know, but if you keep doing this stuff over time and you lose one or two of these big lawsuits, we're not far away from Detroit because you can only raise the property taxes so much and you've already got a population in Chicago where people are fleeing going to other suburbs, going to neighboring states. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chicago needs to be prayed for right now. And beyond other things. All right, Jason Coyden Palmer, freelance writer for the Chicago Crusader. As always, you're no longer a guest. You're a contributor of the show because you're here in the hall. We can no longer say you're a guest. You are now a contributor. As always, thank you for checking in and filling in the blanks on some top stories that are trending out there. We appreciate it. You all take care. Be safe going home. All right. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. All right. All right, everybody. So here's the key thing. 
Elected officials are so important in the process. Getting out there and voting is so so important. And as we know, we are sitting on what feels like it might be one of the most epic presidential races there is, not so much about the Democratic side, but because of the Republican side. So the chatter right. that's going on, that Donald Trump, we talked about him on Monday, is still in the mix. And he takes Nevada, like, in a big way, like 20 points ahead of Florida Senator Marco Rubio. And everybody feels like right. with this win in Nevada, they feel like Trump has really kind of cemented well, his status as a front-runner, Nikki. And here's my thing, though. Yes. Shouldn't we have come to that conclusion, like, maybe about a month or two ago when he was still around? I did. Side-eye, side stuff. And when you were like, how can you say yeah. that and still be high in the polls? So when he wouldn't go away when the opportunity presented itself, and the major cue is when Jeb Bush exited out Bush of the race that happened yes. on Monday. That's yes. when you knew that whether you want to say mm-hmm. it or not, Donald Trump is no Trump, whatever. <laughs> but he wins the Nevada. <laughs> and here's what's crazy. <laughs> he always manages to say something that you go, you got to be kidding me. And I said, anybody who supports him, when you say this, this is where you need to he, – he's giving you a glimpse of how he is not to be trusted and how he really doesn't have any real respect or regard or best interest of the little guy. So in his speech – no. He says, we won with the evangelicals. We won with the young. We won with the old. We won with the highly educated. We won with the mm. poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. Get out, of, get out of Vegas with that. Are you kidding me? You love the poorly educated? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Who says something like who allow who allows to be insulted? But maybe again, maybe the people that are poorly educated, the poorly educated, don't know they right, right. right. They must not know what yeah. you're talking about. They don't know, <laughs> right? The poorly That's educated don't get it. The only thing I can it. think of they, is that they are not aware of the fact that Donald Trump is wagging his finger at hey, dum dums over here. Thank you. High five. High five. Oh my god. But they but they heard that and high fived him back. That's why you're poorly educated. They're like, hey, that's me. He's talking. Yeah, he's on my side. High five, and that's the thing. He slid that in there, but because they're poorly educated, they high fived him and back. And the thing about it and, is, <laughs> you can you can address that population, but in an entirely different context. What you should be sure. saying here's I'm, here's the thing with this too. The fact that he's just blatantly honest, I guess. Maybe people feel like, you know, he's hitting me below the belt, but here's the difference. I know you're kicking me in the nutsack. So, with that being said, <laughs> there's no disguise behind this. And I'm like, that's the only thing I can think that these people are on board with this. They're like, they're like he's up front. He's up front and personal, and he's not masking his disdain. He's letting me know. And I'd rather know that than back somebody who I feel like is going to have this big rhetoric and not do the follow-through. That's the only rationale, Nikki, I can come through with these people. But he easily could have said, you know, from everybody who voted for me, whether you're young, you're old, you know, you come from, you know, wealth, or you are struggling to fight and, and achieve the American dream, we're going to make America great together. How about you just say that, you idiot? Yeah, because you know why. Because <laughs> he's Donald <laughs> Trump. He's done. That would be Girl, too much like right, Maya. That would be too much again. like right to say he doesn't have. But see, this is what you have to understand. Donald Trump isn't a politician, so he doesn't have that rhetoric. That that rhetoric is not in his vernacular. He knows how to shock and awe, and you're fired. This is not and, the apprentice. That, you that, you know what I mean? He doesn't like have that. the political jargon. He doesn't have that. 
So a politician would say exactly what you said because they know that that's what you're supposed to do. But he can't talk like that because he doesn't know how. He's not a politician. So it's just coming out. It's just free-flowing like lava. I am putting together my exit plan because if this crazy man is able to be the highest post in this country, I'm going to tell you something. I'm leaving. I'm so out of here. I'm going to Canada. I'm asking for citizenship. I'm going to go as far. I will go marry me a Canadian man to get the hell out of here. I'm not playing. I'm up out this piece if that man gets elected. It just tells me that we have absolutely lost all our bearings. It's obvious. Bruce Rodner is here. He's just doing crazy stuff in Illinois. You've got Rob Emanuel doing crazy stuff. And no, here's the thing, Crystal 404, Crystal J 404 in the chat room. Canada is not too close because here's the difference: Canadians will not let us in, and that's why I think I might no, have they to marry somebody. They they reject us. No, they, they don't not. want our our garbage and craziness. So I'm probably no. gonna have to like hook up and marry a Canadian man because I think they will deny my that's, application. Just they will. They already said <laughs> we love you, America, but do not bring your hot garbage over here. Absolutely not. People who are trying to go over there and be refugees in Canada. They were like, no, no you I'm not a refugee. can't. I just want out of hell. I am standing at they the won't. mouth gate. Seriously. <laughs> and they I like, we the understand that? Right now. I am in but the you bird, bring I'm in the gondola, you know, with the Grim Reaper. It's awful. I'm with you. You know, Crystal, I'm yes. with you on this. Crystal says she lives in Europe. And actually, you know something? I'm a big fan of Europe, and I spend a lot of time there. And I've always reevaluated if I would like to move there. And somehow Italy kind of appeals to me, or France, because I can speak French. And, I, you know, I'm not mm. going to take it off the table that maybe relocating might be good for me to Europe. But, you know, stuff is kind of crazy over there, too. So Yeah, it is. So, yeah. I kind of feel a little safe here, I mean, like maybe being in Montreal. In the, in, in, in Canada Montreal Canada is the closest I go. I don't know about other countries and, uh, and foreign stuff. You get over there and that nonsense, and you're like, oh, crap, it might be a little bit better, but this is crazy itself. Canada would be as far as I would go, but I'm telling you, Canada is – Firm, and they're sticking firm with you. will not bring your nonsense here. The rudest you will not. thing you will ever hear me say. When you talk about watching your borders, Canada has been watching their borders since oh, the beginning yeah. of time, knowing yes. as a country we're out of sorts. When I went to Canada and had my American passport, they looked at me like, how long are you going to be were like, here? Why are you coming back? Yes, and when are you coming back? Yes, and when are you leaving? And I was with a group yes. of people, and they were like, they went out, they pulled everything off the bus. I was like, I feel yes, like it. a criminal. But when I realized, I could, but I get it. You don't trust us, and I don't trust us either. So you know what that being said, let me stop being offended. You are trying to protect your country from the insanity yes. that is the United States. I get it. Yes. I'm still leaving if he gets yes. elected. I'm out. They were like, you, no. They were like, you can go look at this waterfall, and as soon as you're done, I want you out of my country. As soon as you're done. Niagara Falls, yes. beautiful on the Canadian side. Yes. It's like hot garbage on the U.S. side. But, uh, it's so yes. backwards. Oh, my God. Yes. All right, all right, all right. So Donald Trump insults people even more, and he wins. But I told people, Nevada to me isn't the cementing thing. He's a, he's a front runner because Jeb Bush stepped out and he disappointed everybody. He could buy those votes. Nevada can be bought. It's that kind of state. And let's be honest, what's left is Cruz and Rubio in the mix. That doesn't look Cruz like real Rubio. competition to me. They need to, so no, they need to combine. He's got the they nomination because I don't think his competition, once Bush left, who wasn't making any kind of noise. Right. That's it. He's got it. So now Hillary yes. or Bernie is going to have to turn it up. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yep. Mm, lean times. Lean times to be a U.S. citizen. I'm leaving. 
I'm already planning my exit. All right, everybody, you are tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brakin. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back and talk some point of view. Is there a fine line when people do things specifically during Black History Month that's offensive? Well, you got a group of, of students who in San Francisco, a high school, were very offended by a poster that was put up by another student, FYI, who happens to not be African-American. We'll hear that story when I get back. Everybody sit tight. You're tuned in.
Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayton. We're wrapping up this first hour. We're going to end it with POV, point of view. Everybody has one. And there's different stories out there, and here's one I think is interesting. And, Nikki, what I think is so interesting is that we have a situation where, for some reason, people don't know when doing something is wrong. Even though I think it's clear, cut, and dry what it is. Take a listen to something that's happened at a high school in San Francisco. This was reported by ABC7 News. A school poster that was meant to honor Black History Month has been taken down and the student transferred. It happened at Lowell High School in San Francisco. Students were outraged by what was on that poster and walked out of school and to City Hall. ABC 7 News reporter Leanne Melendez is live with Reaction. Leanne. Well, Lowell High School is a highly academic school in San Francisco known to accept students primarily based on two things, test scores and grades. And many students at Lowell will tell you that stereotypes there are very much alive. We stand against racism and racist behavior. Those were words of condemnation from the principal of Lowell High School after this poster was created by a student of another minority group. It shows rappers including Snoop Dogg, a picture of President Obama wearing a diamond stud earring and the hashtag gang. It was put up alongside other posters meant to acknowledge the accomplishments of African Americans. The stereotypes that follow us have been we're not as smart as other races or we're lazy or we can't get stuff done and those stereotypes have followed us throughout our high school careers. African American students make up only 2% of the entire student body at Lowell. Most black students walked out of school today and made their way to City Hall in protest. A lot of the alumni were very, you know, angry about it too. So, you know, hey, this happened to me 20 years ago. We're here now and it's still happening. So what are we going to do? We're here now and we're here to get justice. I want to just congratulate you. I want to thank you for what you're doing. Just about every high-ranking school district official showed up promising to do more to change the culture at Lowell. We have to make sure when incidents happen, we address it and bring people together to work on a solution. This black student hopes those words will stick. Being someone who believes that they can do more, I also believe that, that they're taking a step at all, which is more than most schools would do for this, is, is enough. The students vowed to take their concerns to members of the school board. In San Francisco, Leanne Melendez, ABC 7 News. All right, so ABC 7 News in San Francisco reporting what happened at Lowell's High School in San Francisco. It's part of a Black History Month celebration of a student putting an inappropriate poster up that was derogatory. Nikki, so goes to <clears throat> say we believe that children are the future. And somehow we have now re-indoctrinated a whole generation of kids into racism. How did that happen? I, I don't know necessarily. I think what has happened, Maya, and it's, it's happened through our music and the media and the images that people see on TV, people have gotten really comfortable with the black culture and this appropriation and all of this. And so it's cool with everybody. And I think that that has blurred the line and we have absolutely is, is our fault. We've kind of allowed it. And so we've allowed people to come into our culture and get to say what's cool. And they just, they're just down with us and they're mimicking the culture when they don't even understand how that can be so insulting. And if you don't know, putting a diamond earring in Barack Obama's ear when he's never worn a diamond earring, who does that? See, that's disrespectful. It is very disrespectful, but when you don't understand the culture and you want to be a part of it and then we allow you to, you, 
You have no respect for it because you don't even know what you're doing. And that's when this has started. All these kids think they're cool. And if they mimic what they see and they can do anything and throw Snoop Dogg and Barack Obama together and put an earring in his ear and use a hashtag and they see absolutely nothing wrong with it, and we partly allow that. And it's so disrespectful. And that's why you know, we get so angry. I'm like, you, you don't even know what you're doing over here. Stay in your lane because now you're being disrespectful. And there's the no line. Who, they don't know where to draw the line. The newscast, ABC7 News, San Francisco did, you know, um, it featured different students. And there was one student who happened to not be a student. Um, she might have been Latino from her look, but they didn't put her name. But just, she wasn't a black student. And her comment was the fact that school administrators are here is enough. And I thought, absolutely no, actually it's not enough, because now they obviously no. need to do sensitivity training about embracing diversity and respecting others. Obviously, that needs to sure. happen. So it's not just enough that they showed up. I do respect that they showed up. Um, interesting that the students went to City Hall. I, I'm not quite sure why that was the end point of the march or the rally. I don't understand that. But either way, it was impo- the walkout from school I felt was important, and it was, and I think it was sure. totally acceptable. And the fact that all the head school officials were there and supportive, that's good. Now the next level is you need to do a diversity training because only what they said only 2% of the students at that school happen to be black, and getting into yeah. that school is about grades and test scores. So obviously they can be there. I don't think people are going to question your ability, but you, like you said, we have, we have a culture that sends a double message, and a lot of mm-hmm. kids identify with that. They just think it's yes. cool. And it's unfortunate right. because the mixed message has been orchestrated partially from the black community, which is bad, but at the yes. same time, knowing what, when something isn't right, you've got to use your judgment. And this is when you start educating young adults before they get to college, which now everything is PC, and everybody needs a safe space, and nobody wants yeah. to do what's right. And that's a perfect transition into the next, the next story, is that at Fairfield University, <laughs> I'm telling you, I just absolutely, I don't get it. I'll never get it. I'll never get this. At Fairfield University, there was a party that was held off campus, this is key, off campus, last weekend, and the theme of the party was ghetto. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, the full-time population of the student body there is roughly 78% white, and then it's a mixture of minorities from there, and they said Mm -hmm. there were people at this party that were, you know, the party goers wore baggy clothes, they were holding 40-ounce bottles of Coors Light. First of all, um, we don't drink 40s of Coors Light, so get it together. Well, it's supposed to be yeah. OE, but oh, English, right? They didn't get that together. They didn't do, they didn't do their homework right. about it. That ain't even right. Ghetto, That's not even get, correct. Get it, right. get it right. Right. So, now, according to people that were at the party, no one at the party wore blackface or anything. It was just their dress. Oh, okay. And the mannerisms. Oh, okay. um, they were just emulating what the ghetto culture is. <laughs> so students okay. there found out about it. Black students did and other minority students and became enraged, and they want the university to take action because they feel it's, 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 an, it's a racist activity. It shouldn't be accepted as culture of the university. Well, the issue with this is the party didn't happen on campus. On it campus, was off right. campus. It was private. So the question is, what can the university really do to these students that didn't do anything on university-sanctioned property? I mean, technically, they can't do anything, but this is – they can't. It was off campus, and technically they can't do anything. But, Maya, this is where I 
I don't understand this because the only place that people seem to get it wrong is when it comes to emulating black people. Nobody else does. There's no gay and lesbian party to make fun. There's unless they're gay people. People don't do this to other cultures and other things. There no. You haven't heard of any Asian parties where they're serving rice and that. Kind, that never ever happens. The only place that people seem to get confused and don't understand what's disrespectful and wrong is when it comes to us and emulating us. We get it right with everybody else. No other group complains about some kind of party like this ever. It's only done wrong and incorrect, and everybody's confused when it comes to us, and that makes me know that it, they know what they're doing. They just want to do this. They know this is wrong. You cannot look at this and not know that it's wrong and say, hey, guys, come on. This isn't cool. Everybody knows it's not cool. I mean, you can't tell me that they don't. Right, and I'm going to say this, and people may not like it, and I understand it. The university really can't do anything because it happened off. They of can't the do anything property. about it. It was a private no, property, can't. and even though right. the theme of it was inappropriate, here we get back to this glamorization yes. of something that's not good. Being hood, right. being ghetto, here's a glamorization of it from a group of people who seem to think for some reason they've gotten the wrong message on this. They really have. And the thing is, not a single person in that age group, now I'm to the point you're in college. You know, you're over exactly. 18. I'm hoping that your rationalization skills have improved, but we've seen around the country. Rather, it was Fairfield University, there was issues at the University of Chicago, you know, issues at Missouri University. Just, it's, it's, sure. all, it's rampant. It's absolutely rampant. Yes. These issues, University of California, UCLA, I mean, there's sure. been incidents like this all over the place. Right. I, I think it's, it's it, it has to be this, this mysterious thing that everybody wants because on TV it's so glamorized and it's polarized and it's like this is a way I get to be black without really being black. See? It is that glamorous thing that you – would empower Yes, absolutely. Yes. So it's this thing that I want to say I got to be a part of and I got to know what it feels like to walk around with my pants down and wear 40 and have – feel that I get to feel that without actually being black. And I'm like, you can't do that. That's disrespectful. You can't pretend to be black. The disconnect between understanding how inappropriate yeah. it is and why it is for some crazy reason, and, I, and I'm thinking I'm not being overly sensitive about it because I happen to be a person of color, but to me you, you hit the nail on the head when you said you don't see anybody having parties that are slamming the LBGT. Nobody's no. talking up at Halloween as gay people because you know what? No. That would be a problem because the LBGTQ yes. community would be on that in a heart beat like excuse me yes we're not going to do that that's not going to happen yeah they don't tolerate that you don't you know see people doing things well people immigration wise is kind of broad you know but it's it's a kind of thing for some reason people think that it's okay to be offensive towards black people specifically and i'm like how is that and why is that but i also say on the flip side it's that glamorization of that culture. This is why I am not a fan of Empire. I call it the Empire effect. Me either. Because now in their mind, I they think everybody wants to be a rapper. Um, yes. We're all hood-like and have ulterior motives and downplay yes. education. When you play into the stereotypes, people, let me tell you something. It doesn't help your cause. But we no. are not a homogenous group of people, so you've got people that are going to be okay with presenting that, and I can get mad about it. But I can't do anything about it because when it's all said and done, we are actually individuals, and our connecting mm -hmm. bond is the color of our skin. And a, clearly we right. have 
a issue with agreeing about how we want to present ourselves to the world, there needs to be a moratorium with black people about understand, yes, I'm an individual, but when you do something that's ratchet or ghetto, guess who has to be looked at like that with you too? Me. This girl over here. And this Me. girl over yes. here has a problem with that. Yeah, I do too. I absolutely do too, but guess what? They that's, keep doing that's it. Exactly. That's exa- I'm like, we've allowed this. We've allowed this to happen because we want to be cool with everybody. That goes back with the N-word and letting some white else. people say it. I'm like, don't ever say it. I don't care who you say it to Kanye and Jay-Z. You say it to me, I'm going to punch you in your face. I will put a stop to that. I don't care how many black friends you got. I'm not that black friend. So don't do that. But some of us allow that because they want everybody... I don't care if it comes on in a rap record, you skip that part, don't say it then. You're just not going to say it. And I firmly put my foot down on that. You're just not going to do that here. And so, but as some of us, we think it's cool, and we, and we let people slide, and they, we let them say it. And I'm like, you will not. That you will not do. But we yeah, all I'll have to do that. Be like, don't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we do it or not. You don't do it. And you, that's, that keeps people from crossing your line, though. I agree. That but keeps it's, people it's from that, crossing your line. I agree. But the problem is it's a double standard. And, and, for instance, before we wrap up this segment, it's just like how in music the depiction of black men as well as black women is being hosed and thought. It's god awful. Et cetera, et cetera. When a, when a man of your respective race does not respect you, why in God's name do you believe that anybody else will? And you, one day you said it perfectly. When Juicy J goes and gets on a track with Katy Perry, he's not talking yes. about the big, the big butt hoe no. over here. He's talking no. about she's magical with unicorns and crap like that. <laughs> he gets on a track with Nicki Minaj, yes. and he's like, bend over, grab yes. your ankles, and all kind of crazy stuff. Yes. Right. I'm telling right. you, when you put yes. forth the propaganda as mm-hmm. reality, everybody takes it and runs with it. People love negative stuff, so they take it and they run with right. it. So the internal thing is we have to clean up our act, and we have to start exactly. demanding respect, but it's hard to demand respect exactly. when you have a Yahoo over here that's giving people <laughs> exactly what they're looking for. That's the problem. Moratorium on blackness, folks. It needs to happen. Got it. it and it'll, it'll probably and, uh, break out. It'll rub in a riot because we'll all end up fighting because there's going to be a, a contingency. We can't agree. We are Uncle Times and we're whitewashed because we're not embracing oh, sure. the seedy side of what people think is acceptable. I don't go with seediness, folks. I don't like it. I'm not interested. I don't want to be grouped in it. I don't. Yeah. I agree. All right. But it's all a matter of what? Perspective. And that's the problem. POV. Everybody has an opinion <laughs> on it. You tuned into the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayden. Let's take a deep breath so we can woosaw. Okay. Come back, and we'll jump in and talk about some fringe conversations, things that may not be trending in your timeline, but people are talking about it, and we think you should know about it too. All right, everyone, sit tight. We'll be right back.
said that, first of all, I mean, unfortunately it's your dad, but if it was somebody like a coworker or a neighbor and she would have put, just because it's your dad doesn't mean your dad isn't a jerk. So she put her dad on blast because he's being a jerk, and maybe if she got some responses from people saying something positive about it, he could see that and be like, well, maybe I'm acting a little bit foolish, and probably that was her intent. I'm not thinking he's going to. You know, part of what he said in the letter is over the years, over the last several years, you've turned into everything that we tried. You've turned on everything we've tried to instill in you from childhood. You're nowhere near the daughter I thought you would be at this point, and I'm deeply brokenhearted. And he gets into saying things like, I hoped I would eventually take the high road and come to accept an interracial relationship. The truth is that I'm human, and I make choices of my own. My belief is that interracial relationships are despicable, vulgar, and reprehensible. There's nothing worse right. than a half-black. And I'm crushed that my daughter has entered in such a disgusting relationship. So first he prefaced it with, excuse me, I'm human, and now I'm just going to absolutely spew racist <laughs> rhetoric all over you. Right. <laughs> After I assault you and tell wow. you you failed me as a daughter. Right. I mean, he's honest. I mean, she got her, she got her aunt. I mean, he's, he's honest about it. It was done in public, but he seems not to care. He wasn't like, I'm hurt that you put our business out. He was all like, okay, you want to say that? I'm going to tell everybody how I feel, and that's just how they each feel about it, and clearly they don't have a problem with doing that in public. Wow. That was And, and it's interesting deep, because though. pretty much she lives with the parents. He was demanding that she end the relationship, and if not, that she was going to have to move. He refers to the boyfriend as Nike. I don't know if that's just, you know, his, I don't know what kind of name what? that is. But he responded to it on Twitter, um, and trust me, wrote it in a way that I'm sure the dad was, like, cringing. But he said, you know, regarding the letter, my girl's, my girl's dad, forgot the apostrophe, I'm sorry, grammar please, mm. wrote that the letter. Yeah. Want, yeah, it's, got, it's not gr- grammatically correct, to say the least. So I'm just going to give you the see, gist of first it. of all, that, <laughs> see, I have a problem with that. Because if I was personally attacked as a black person, I'm really like I would call a professor. I'd be like, you know, usually I don't type eloquently, but in this, I'm not gonna give him any clap back and be like, see, this is what I mean. You understand what I mean? It's gonna be eloquent. It's gonna be well written. It's gonna be grammatically correct. Everything's gonna no, be correct not. if I'm gonna respond it's to not. that. That's, that's I'm just me. I'm the you know, if you guys want to check check wow. out the link on it. But it's not grammatically correct, see, which first drove me nuts. Like I'm with you. If you're gonna represent yourself, see, bring your right, best possible right. self. Forefront. But he went on to say that he, yeah. he was going to end the relationship because he didn't want her to be homeless, which then was saying either he doesn't have a place for her to stay or she can't move in with him. So here you are sacrificing right. your relationship with your parents who yeah. you need to deal with. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to end this because I don't want her to be homeless. Where's the love in this? Like, <laughs> I love you, babe. You can, come, you can come stay with me because if you're willing to go that extra mile and defy your parents, then you know right. what? My home, mi casa, su casa. No, he break it up. Like, no, nah, I want her to be homeless. Now, where's the love in that? <laughs> <laughs> I got he's, maybe he's like, I don't like you like that. I mean, I like you like, let's go to dinner, but I don't like you like move in. It could be like, I like you, but not like this. So we don't have to do all of this. You don't have to do all of this for me because I don't like you like that. I wouldn't do it for you. And that's admirable. She's just getting the shaft all the way around. She should just rethink everybody. She is getting yeah, the might. shaft I mean, I get that she should everybody. address her, her parents. Like, you raised me that way, but that's not right. Right. It's not right. respectful. Sure. I get, I get sure. that. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that I, I would have put his letter. I might have said commentary on social media because it's fine to launch that conversation. Like, it's really sad that there's generations of people who really sure. have a negative to racial dating or marriage and think that it's an abomination because that's not healthy because people are people. But I don't know that I would have personally have put 
my parents or anybody or my family out there like that just because I don't know it just seems like it's it's too much it's right. I, I just wouldn't have done it and clearly I mean yeah he tried and he's like I'm human I just a part of me can't embrace this and he was being honest and I'm like but to me that's a family issue and I don't think you need to right. air your dirty laundry that way because obviously her father has no intentions on changing his Mm-mm. perspective at all on at all not at all He's like, I don't care where you put it. Social media, the world can know. I think it's despicable. I mean, he just didn't say, I, you know, I'm from another generation. I'm not used to this. He went in and was like, it's nothing worse than to have, Ooh, girl, you're not changing that man's mind at no, all. He's, he's dead set. He's, he went he's in. locked into his, yes, his mindset is locked yes. where it is. And I, I'm, I'm, great with yes. the, I'm great with the conversation. It needs to happen. I just wouldn't have put my family out there like that because, though he's ignorant, right. he's still your father, and, and he's hurt for all the wrong reasons, but we are dealing with generations of people who believe that. That's yes. how they grew up, and it's not right, but it is what it is. So, right. interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of trending out there. I, I posted the link right there um, in the chat room if you want to check it out. Another story that's trending, and this really kind of blew my mind. A premature baby is kept alive in a sandwich bag at the mother had a silent labor. And they have this picture of this baby, like, in a sandwich bag. And I was like, yeah. Huh? So it gets into, I had to read it because I, like, I was like, how do you do that? But his lower body, his head is out. But his yeah, lower body, I thought they just zipped yeah, him up and took him to the hospital. I'm like, how does that poke holes in the bag and zipped him up and took him to the hospital? I was like, you put him in a Ziploc? But that's yeah. not what happened. His just body is in the bag, I'm in the you, sandwich bag. I, first of all, I give the mother credit for even coming up. I mean, she went into labor, didn't realize it, and before she could get to a hospital, she was already delivering. Yeah. And she really obviously mm-hmm. he was very premature, and obviously yes. body temperature for a premature baby is really yes, really it's important. important. Yes. But the fact is that she thought of a sandwich bag. I think is the thing. Yeah. That kind of makes me like what what made you think a sandwich bag? And they said it was like forty he's minutes. That little. Forty minutes she's, in labor. That tiny. Yeah. Wow. He, he's tiny. He was he was quite wow. early. So just FYI, um, sandwich bags are more than just sandwich bags. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. They're all dual purpose. <laughs> Let me just say. You can put your lunch in, in there and keep labor, your baby alive. If I'm in silent labor, um, I'm so freaked out and having a conniption fit I'm going to freak out, yes. Yeah, yeah the I'm sandwich bag's not crossing my mind because I'm somewhere like yeah, acting I'm like a stark out. raving mad idiot. Seriously. He was little, yeah, three pounds, 11 out. ounces. Yeah. So he was a very tiny baby. But here's the thing. He's healthy. So her, her, her instinct to do this. Save the baby's life. I was going to say, you might freak out initially, but your motherly instinct would probably kick in, and you'd be like, like okay, what do I have to do bag? to get my baby to the – yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that sandwich bag? Let's go. Your instinct will kick in and probably do something like stick your baby in the sandwich bag, and it will all work out. So good for her. Quick thinking. She stayed even keel, and the baby's okay. Three pounds, that's a okay. tiny baby. Good. You know, healthy, and she yeah. did the right thing. So just you never know on the fly. I thought that was interesting. Not that it will probably yeah. happen to anybody else, but just in case it does. Right. Just remember, Ziplocs have multiple functions, just so you know that. Yes. Okay, another story, and this is not a new story. When you sent this to me, I remember when the research was done on this and when this case began. It's being reported mm-hmm. and that talcum powder, baby powder, is not good for women to use in regards to a sanitary regimen, which means you want to use it, obviously, to place, you know, for freshness inside your underwear. It's being strongly recommended that women not do that because there's been some studies that says it's being connected to potentially causing cancer. And there's now a lawsuit that Johnson & Johnson is being faced with because 
of the research, a woman could prove that her cancer came from this. You want to talk a bit about the story? It's really interesting because this is something that people do all the time. I, I don't I see. That's what I was confused on because I thought you stopped doing that when you was like thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember the last time I dumped baby powder in my underwear. I'm like I'm a dope. Didn't you do that when thirteen and fourteen? Who does that? So I'm like, what grown woman? Y'all still dousing y'all underwear with baby powder? Like I, I swear I never. I thought this was stopped once you were a teenager and you didn't do that anymore. So I didn't even think women still did this. So, I made the assumption I guess that everybody, that, if you use that, you graduated up to the products that were designed specifically for adult women. And there are products that yeah. I would assume would be tested and researched before it would be on the market. And it's been on the market for years. So that if you are yeah. a person that for some reason believes that that's a part of your regimen you like, um, you know, that's fine. But there are actually adult feminine products that are meant for that. So that's why I was like, who's yeah. Johnson & Johnson besides, That's I what know. I, baby powder. I'm like, who wants to smell like a baby? I'm a woman. I'm not trying to smell like a toddler. That just threw me, so I didn't know women were still doing that. If you're still doing it, cut it out because it's not healthy and it's not cool. <laughs> but for two reasons, cut it out. But I guess they're awarding this lady $72 million, um, and she died, but they're awarding the family of her, um, this lady $72 million because her cancer was connected with the talcum powder um, by Johnson & Johnson. It looks like it was the aloe. See, this is too much. But, um, yeah. Hey, I, I don't know. I, did. I didn't know people were still doing on this. It. This case started. I heard research that came out about this, and I was like, you know what? Nothing is safe. But like you said, it's kind of like who's still doing that. But some people like that. Yeah. I don't know, that, that, I guess that sense of freshness or smelling like a baby, I have no idea. Another mm, story before okay. we wrap up, friends, <laughs> like, if you mm. happen to be like me and you love cheese, you're going to find this a little distressing. I've been pushing this story back on the back for like at least a week. I'm, yeah. like, I'm talking about it today. There's a story that came out last week that Parmesan cheese that you might sprinkle like specifically on your pasta, you usually put it on spaghetti and stuff like that. Uh-huh. It's being reported that the ratio of cheese that's actually in the container is not what you think. It's less than 40% of product is actually cheese. Here's what got me. Less than 40% of the product is cheese. What do you think the rest of it is? Pencil shavings. <laughs> when you sharpen your pencil, it's the pencil shavings when you sharpen your pencil. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's, it's wood. Put it this way. It is a wood-based type product that yeah. is highly digestible. That's put into, if you don't get a product that says 100% grated Parmesan cheese, you may be yeah. getting a product that has what is ultimately kind of like the equivalent of sawdust to a degree. Yeah, that's a, yeah, pencil shades. I do have a box of that, like the green. I don't, I, I don't. I think it's craft. It's in my refrigerator. But I have for like a while been using the fresh ones that you get from like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, like in the cheese section, in the container. So I rarely use that green stuff and douse it on it. But I think that that's what that is. That one has the wood shavings. I don't think it's the one that you get in the cheese section in the container. That's real. And they said if you're lucky, the other brands might have a mixture of not just Parmesan, but Swiss, mozzarella, white cheddar, and cellulose. But at least that's cheese. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm fine with you mixing up cheeses, but don't. I don't want a tree in my cheese. Like I'm fine if you. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Don't do that. You can mix up my cheeses. It's the cheap imitations that you have to be aware of that are for the ones that are having 
only a 30 maybe to 40% amount of cheese in it. So if you happen to be like me and you love cheese and I love cheese, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm I'm thinking you're giving me Parmesan cheese no matter what I buy, and now I have to be just very particular about that. So just FYI, right. just because it says it's cheese, isn't Does it mean cheese. it's cheese? Does it mean it's cheese? <laughs> like, come on, man. People just get over too much all the time on stuff. Seriously. And it bothers me. <laughs> That people baby are just powder seriously cutting Parmesan. corners on Parmesan cheese? Really? It's baby powder, too. And baby it's powder, baby powder, powder and Parmesan. It's just that talc might be an issue for women. It's not so much the powder isn't authentic. But, see, my thing is this. If it's not okay to, you know, to woman to freshen, you know, the, the, the nether regions with talcum powder, as a person who had a baby, I don't think I'd want to put the powder on my baby either. I'm right. just saying. Because I feel like if it's cancer-causing, yeah. it's cancer-causing no matter who the recipient of the powder is. I think so. That's why I was like, why is it just with women? Is it something? In, I don't know. I mean, but you, all I, over you would think you wouldn't put it on babies either. I wouldn't. I'd stop. I'd be like, okay, the talcum powder is now tied to cancer for women, but babies are still human tissue. So let's right. not put it on the babies. Let's stop. I, no I talcum agree. powder on the babies either, folks. Okay, that's the trend. That's some of those topics out there trending. Remember, if you're calling into the show and you've got a question, you got to hit the one button because that tells me you got something to say. Your hand is up. If not, I'm assuming you're just tuned in listening to the show. So just make sure if you tune yeah. in. I see someone tuned in from the 615 area code. Welcome to the show. we got more people in the chat room. Thank you guys for joining us. We're going to take another break, and we'll come back. You don't want to miss this. It's time for What Would Nikki Say, where she goes four rounds toe-to-toe with Dear Abby, trying to give Wayward Soul some advices, and we ask your input, too. And these are four different scenarios that I think are interesting, so I'll be curious how okay. you weigh on this. You're tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged. Be serious, comedian, Mr. Clayton, everybody. Good night. We'll be right back. Everybody speaks in the fast lane, surely not. Revving through the kids, trying to keep ourselves from stressing out. Uh, take a look in your heart and your soul. Is this really it? Is it all that you are? We're so caught up in the riddle and we suffer for so little. Oh,
to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We're moving on to what is one of my favorite parts of Wednesday. What would Nikki say where she goes four rounds toe-to-toe with Dear Abby on scenarios? One, rules of engagement for Nikki is she never knows what the scenario are in advance, or nor does she know I do not. what Dear Abby would say. So the whole thing is to give real honest advice, and I listen to what they say to say who I think gives the best answer. Now, with that being said, if you're in the chat room or if you're listening to the show, if you want to chime in or you have, you know, hey, thumbs up, Nikki, she's nailed it, or thumbs up, no, I think Abby's more on point, weigh in as well to help me make a decision of who should walk away with the victory of the day. So, with that being said, everybody, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right. Are you ready for this, Nikki? I think I am. Let's go. All right. I'm, I'm covering two different this. dynamics on this. I'm parenting, some family, some relationship. I covered all corners of the globe on this. All right. Here's the first one. And I'm sure people who are parents will have something to say about this. Playing good dad, bad mom harms mother and son's relationship. How do I connect with my son? He's only four, and he prefers his father to me. I generally get to be the bad guy, the one who takes him to the doctor's appointments, gives him icky medicine, enforces bedtimes, and keeps order. Dad doesn't even try to do any of this at all. They are best buds. My son even asked me to go away so dad would love him more. It's things. Aren't boys supposed to love their mom? Sad mom in West Virginia. I can tell you I know exactly how she feels, and I'm going to tell you he will love you more than you will ever know. I have this problem. I have a son. He's eight now. You cannot separate us. But he used to be like, Mom, get out. Like, I would try to tuck him in and come. He's like, get out. I'm talking to Dad. Like he, I'm like, oh, my God, why does he like you? I'm so cooler than you are. But he probably did because I was home all day, and so I had to make him take a nap, and I had to make him eat his veggies, and I had to make him go to the doctor. And he probably, when they're young, they associate that kind of thing with that. It's not that he doesn't love you. He's just young. And then dad, dad's the fresh face. He comes home. He plays the ball. He does, you know, he does all of that stuff, and he's like the fun guy. Trust me, the tables will turn they absolutely will. You don't have to do a thing. He loves you. He loves you now. He just doesn't know how to show it in that kind of way. But you guys will be inseparable. I promise you, inseparable as he gets a little older around kindergarten and that kind of thing, inseparable. You're going to be the one he runs to when he gets a boo-boo and when he falls outside on the <laughs> skateboard and on his bike. I'm telling you, you'll be the first one. He will bypass dad and run right to you and be like, Mom. He's like, no, I want Mom to see. I want Mom to kiss it. And it's good. the tables <laughs> will turn. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There will be a brighter day. Just hold on, honey. Just hold All on. Right. Don't Here's do a what- thing. Just keep being Mom. And everything will change. Here's what Abby had to say. Of course they are, meaning best buds. Parenting responsibilities are supposed to be shared. And these days, many men step forward and share those responsibilities. Your husband appears to think that being a bud is more fun than being a father. Making you the bad mommy while he's the good guy is unfair not only to you, but also to your son. The two of you should have already formed United Front when it comes to discipline. If this is allowed to continue, your boy will play each of you against the other if he isn't already, and your problems are only starting. Ooh. No, Abby I think, went on the no, negative Abby is, thing. No, like, because, you don't find because she didn't say... This. She didn't say anything about discipline. I, that's where you have your united front. 
I'm, it sounds like it's a situation where mom is home and she has to do the, you have to lay down and take a nap and that kind of thing. And children kind of equate that. I don't, it doesn't, we're not talking about, well, mom, make good mom, bad mom that way. Dad is going to play. Dad is going to be the one that tosses the football and do the fun things. And I don't think that's shunning a responsibility. It just has to do with how the things in the household flow. If it's a thing of discipline where dad is trying to be his friend and he will never discipline him, that's an issue. But if it just comes down to your duties versus my duties, dad is always going to be the fun one. That's just how it is. And so Abby can suck it because that's not what she said. <laughs> <laughs> what happens though? I mean, but th- we do see these dynamics occasionally where people have this exact mom or dad is good or bad, and then the kid gets a bit older, and there does turn into that pitting of I'll ask, I won't ask mom because I know she'll say she'll say no, but I'll ask dad or vice versa, and it does create a rift if it isn't co-parenting or united parenting. I think it's easy when you're young, but what about when they get sure. older? Well, you have to, if it's that, if it's just that, like, I'm never going to discipline, I'll let him do whatever he wants, I'll give him whatever he wants. If it's that, that's a problem. But if it's just the duties of, right, my husband is the fun husband, don't ask me to go to the park and play soccer, I'm not doing it. I will play a game as long as it's 15 minutes. I will play that real quick, like (laughs) Operation, I will buzz and get out. I'm not playing three-hour Monopoly with you. I just don't do that. That's not what I do. I'm not playing this video game. I'm not doing that. I don't do that. So in that aspect, he's the fun guy. But when it comes to discipline, it's like, ask your mother, what did mom say? We said no. And in that, we're a united front. So it's no good or bad. It's just like they do different things. I have fun with mom in a different way than I do with dad. And that's okay. But you're not pitting us against each other. We're not falling for that banana in the tailpipe. That's not happening. So right. as long as you have that, you're, you should be fine. The masses have spoken. Crystal J404, I'm giving her the deciding decision. She said she agrees with Nikki. She often notices that her nephew does the same thing to her sister, his mom, when she comes around because she's a fresh face. He's four. All right. Crystal J says, give it to you. All right. So round one goes to Nikki. Let's go to round two. (laughs) I got to love family. Broken car seats (laughs) spark feud over who who should foot the bill. Okay. My sister-in-law has asked me to pay for repairs to a passenger seat of her car. She was picking up my my nine-year-old son to stay the night, and when he got inside, he moved the seat forward to better fit his his stature. She got upset and said, that seat was broken. We had it set just right for me when I'm the passenger. Since he adjusted it, she hasn't been able to reset it. When I asked if there was a note on the dash that read, do not move the seat, she said no. (laughs) Then I asked, if this was her best friend's son, would she be requesting money to repair an already broken seat? Her response was, no. Am I wrong to think she's out of line to ask me? Fuming in Washington State. Mm, Gotta love those family members. All right. You're not, not, she's not wrong. And if my child gets in a seat and it's broken, the first thing I'll say, don't touch that. Usually when you know something's wrong with your car, the first thing you say is like, hey, don't put the seatbelt on. You had to jimmy it or wriggle it. You kind of make that announcement. You know, kids, so you really, she should have prefaced, I told him not to move the seat. He moved it, and then she would have an issue. Here's the deal. Sometimes family expect more from you than they do anybody else. So because, and she probably feels like because you're a sister, she can come to you and be like, okay, he broke the seat. 
and give me the money, which she probably wouldn't do with a friend. She's not wrong with feeling that way at all. I'm on her side with that. But to keep the peace, I would just give her the money for the seat and keep the peace. If it's good. I wouldn't let a seat cause a rift. But she's not wrong in her feelings because I think her sister's being a little extra if the seat was already broken. But it's like if you need it this bad, here you go and keep the peace. But I agree with her 100%. Her sister's being extra. If you want to cause a rift in your family for this, go ahead. I wouldn't. I'd just give it to her. I'm like, you clearly need it this bad. We'll fix your seat and let it be done. All right. That's here's what, what Abby said. You're not wrong. If your sister-in-law had warned your son not to touch the seat before he adjusted yes. it, she might have a leg to stand on. However, mm-hmm. if she's short of the money and was babysitting your son as a favor, in interest of keeping peace in the family, offer to contribute to the cost of the repairs. All right, you both kind of yeah. saw it the same way. Like, you're not wrong. But yeah. obviously, she's probably strapped for cash. Otherwise, she would have fixed yes. the seat. Right. So, yeah. uh, okay, that's a tie. You both pretty much said the same okay. thing. Let's make it get a bit more complicated. All right? Okay. Ever-present doubt prevents man from fully enjoying life. Mm, I definitely want to hear what you're going to say about this one. Okay. No matter what I do, I'm never satisfied. I have a great wife and two great kids, and yet I always feel like I could have done better with my life. I go to work, and no matter how hard I work, I feel like I never get recognition for it. When I go out with friends, we have a great time, but I never feel like I'm really part of the group. I feel like the outcast who gets invited just so they don't feel bad. I don't know why I feel like this. I do suffer from depression and spoke to a specialist. People often tell me that I spread myself too thin and never relax enough to enjoy my success. How can I relax when I feel unsatisfied with my efforts? Just not satisfied. That's that's tough. I mean, really, that's tough because what you're looking for starts with you. The only person that's responsible for your happiness is your own self. So you could look to the you can make a million dollars, but if you're not happy with yourself, that's never going to be enough and you'll always be search, you're never going to be satisfied. So you either have to come to the conclusion that you're going to live your life and you're never going to be satisfied and be okay with that or you're going to have to really look at some changes within yourself and saying what's incomplete and why are you allowing that to not let you fully enjoy your life. Some people like to be miserable. You need to figure out if you one of these miserable SOBs that just want to live life and be miserable, like Eeyore. Like, I don't know, you know, if you want to be one of those people, then you might be. If you really want the best out of the life and you really want to live your life to the fullest, you need to figure out and do some soul searching and figure out what's inhibiting you from doing that. Is it because I just love being miserable? Am I in love with being miserable? Or is it really something that's stopping me? Find out whatever that is inside of you and fix it. But the only person responsible for you being happy is you. There's nothing else you can do. You got to fix you. Here's what Abby said. A way to do that would be to start by examining why are you so hard on yourself, whether it was caused by parents who didn't give you the validation you needed while growing up or lack of self-esteem. Until you understand why you're hurting yourself this way, your problem won't be resolved. You say you have spoken to a specialist about your depression. Perhaps it's time for another visit and a chat about what's really bothering you. Okay. You guys yep. kind of said the same thing. He's the root of the problem and probably the root of the solution. The- so. Yes, no one yes. can fix it for him. I agree. Nope, just you. So. Right, so you have taken a one clear round. You've tied for two. Here's round four. Let's see 
if you can walk away with a victory. And here's the thing. This one, okay. this one's a doozy because people experience this all the time. This isn't like one of those situations I think that's unusual. I think a lot of people can have say, I've been in this situation. Racist language okay. draws physical reaction from offended friend. Oh, I'm about to lose a foreign this. friend uses the N word <laughs> while commenting about an employee at a hotel we were staying in. After he said it a second time, I slapped him and told him that word was never acceptable regardless of the reason. I feel bad about hitting him, but entirely justified in motive and intent. I really can't think of another more effective way of registering how offended I was in a situation like that. Should I apologize? Should it be a qualified apology? I tried to explain the complex racial history of the U.S. and why the word was so hurtful, but he seemed disinclined to understand. What is the right way to react in such a situation, anonymous, in the U.S.? I'm going to lose this because you know I just said how I feel. You say that in front of me, I'm punching you in your face. And that's just I'm punching you. I'm punching you. And I'm not a big advocate of violence, but I don't think people really understand the underlying. That, that word is so hurtful, it makes you want to hit so I mean, it it just does. It's so hurtful. And mean you have to understand. People don't understand that sometimes, like, before there was somebody who heard the last word he heard was the N-word before they hung him from a tree or castrated him or Sick the dog on them. That's the last word that they heard. And so it's a really, really hurtful word to especially people of color, especially black people. It's really, really hurtful, and especially when it comes from other people because it's so ugly. And it's no way to let you know how ugly it is. Everything I said, you can be like, well, I still don't get it. But you get this. Kapow, you get that. And so sometimes... That's the only way that you make people understand it's not right, and I think you should apologize for hitting. It's no qualifier. Be like, you know what, I was wrong for putting my hands on you. I should have never done that, but you have got to understand that's hurtful. Don't do that. I apologize for what I did, and I shouldn't have hit you, and that's all I'm going to apologize for. But my intent and anger behind it is going to be that every single time. Just don't do that. Say you're sorry for hitting them, and that's it, but I get it. All right, here's what Abby said. You should not have let the first remark go without speaking. The right way to respond to a person's racist comments would have been to say that it offended you and you would prefer not to hear that kind of language from him again. Physical violence is not the correct way to get a point across. If you must associate with this person, apologize for flying off the handle. Otherwise, avoid him. Is Abby black? Is Abby black? No. So I want to hear what Abby has to say about this because Abby's not black. Abby can suck it on this one, too. I'll just take this victory community because <laughs> Abby's not black. So, of course, she's going to sing Kumbaya. I reasonable response. I, I mean, she said it wasn't appropriate. Yeah. You had a right to express how you felt. Sure. Physical violence, as we know, is not really the answer. In it's fact, not, he could have turned not. around and pressed charges for assault. I mean, so. He could have. But, you know. So I agree, it's a word, and at some point, even though it's offensive, we can't just lash out at people like that. We can't. I I know, but so, I am. So I don't say it. On this because I'm on the fence. <laughs> I'm on the fence because I understand your point. Being a person of color, Crystal, I love Crystal J four hundred four. She's very active. She said sorry. She agrees with Abby on this, which means okay. this is the first time well. you guys actually split. Oh, what would Nikki say? 
the first time in history. You threw that N-word in there on purpose because you know I was going to go ham. <laughs> you know, I, was going, I was like, I'm losing Actually, this. No. I knew I was no. like, I'm losing I, I, I take that back. I recant that. You win because you won the first round. Oh, hi, But you walked away with one free and clear, which means you win. I you still win. You win by the fault of yes. one win. But that's the yes. first time you've ever come close to not being able to seal the deal. Are you losing your touch? I don't know. <laughs> Are you losing know. your edge? <laughs> I think so. All right, everybody. You tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We'll take our final break and come back for the wind down and talk about some topics out there that I think we got a good mixture of things that we're talking about. Here's one that I love. Magic Johnson has always been a man who has put his money behind his words and his efforts. Yes. And I'll tell you what, yes. he has really donated a lot of money to Chicago in regards to education and youth summer jobs, and he's just dropping 10 more million here in Chicago. We're going to take a quick break, the final break, everybody. And we'll be right back. You're tuned into the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We'll be right back, everybody. Sit tight.
right. Welcome back. This is the home stretch final segment, which means last call for comments. You can call 310-807-5211. The chat room is wide open, and you know how to get social with the show. So some topics you're going to wind down with. You know, Magic Johnson, to me, is the blueprint of what you would like for an athlete to be like in regards to when a career ends, what they do with, one, if they retain their wealth is the first thing, but then how to become astute businessmen. Magic Johnson's that person who made the right business investments, like he owns Lowe's Theaters, he owns some Starbucks, but he wasn't just about making money. He's now taken a lot of money that he's made and invested within the black community. So I know here in Chicago he has a GED program that he really promotes. So if you didn't finish high school, you can get a GED. And now he's announced that he is donating $10 million to the Youth Summer Jobs Program here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I think that is Um, fantastic because that's one of the things that really complained about is that there wasn't monies to go into that program that a lot of kids over the summer could get, you know, jobs at the Park District or other outlets. Right. So for Magic Johnson right. to step up to the table, I hate to say this, oh, it pains me, more so than Michael Jordan there, there on and so forth, is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I Well, I don't – here's what I don't do to Michael because I really don't know what he does. I know he's charitable and things. I don't know if he gives in the way that Magic does, but I have a big thing about that. Like, you can't tell people what to do with their money. So okay. he might give in another way. And that kind of thing. He might not give like magic, but I I do believe that he gives. Um, I think this is amazing. And like over the years, I've seen this come to fruition because, you know, we have this big taste of Chicago. And in the summer, there are a lot of fests. And you see kids like walking around and they're cleaning up and they're doing all this. Mm -hmm. And it gives them something to do. And I've just seen this expand over the years with everything that goes on in Chicago in the summertime. So I think this is very, very awesome. I'm glad we need it. I mean, we really, really need it. So this is good stuff. Right, exactly. But, I mean, he's been so twofold in the fact that not only is he donating to this, but the fact that he has a bridge program for GED, job training. Sure. He's really invested in Chicago. I mean, besides the fact that he was, you know, very open and honest about him being HIV positive and becoming a spokesperson to educate the black community. I mean, he has always gone above and beyond to be somebody involved in the community, and I think that is so so such an example you hope that more athletes would look at, not just the fact of how he gives back, but how he was a man who probably didn't make a fraction of the dollars oh, that current athletes make, like your Derrick oh. Roses, your Kevin yeah. Durant, your LeBron James. Not Jane, didn't make yeah. those kind of dollars, but he's right. managed to own multiple businesses and start a cable network, the Aspire Network, that is focused yes. towards African-American programming. So to me, he becomes yes. the prototype of what young athletes should think about you know what, you can make money and make it work for you, but you've got to be smart about it. And I think that yeah. is so And not only that, I do too, but not only that, it's not like he played for the Bulls. So it's like, you know, he's doing a lot of stuff for Chicago. He's not from here. You know, he, he, he didn't play for the Bulls. You know, he's a Lakers guy. And, you know, usually people focus on the community in which they are a staple yeah. in. So if you're in L.A., you do things in L.A. But he's managed to expand this to other major cities, and I really think that's important because if you're from Cleveland or you play in Cleveland, you usually do things in Cleveland, New York. You know, like the rappers do stuff in New York and, and where they're from. But he 
he's actually expanded this to other communities, and that's a big thumbs up too. Because usually people you know, just and I'll do even, what they I let. give a lot of credit to LeBron James very frequently as well, because he's another athlete that has partnered up with the University of Akron to provide X amount of scholarships, yeah, um, yeah. for your scholarships to students. But then he reached back and understand the brevity of the situation, where he said, "Let's look at your family dynamic." Are your parents working? Mm-hmm. Do they have a GED right. or how? You know, what can we give them to give you additional support to change that cycle of poverty? Sure. And I like that. He saw, you know what? Home is home is the base. It's it's what matters. Yes. So he's donated yes. a lot of his money as well to his area where he's from in that Cleveland area to help his right. community. So even as a young athlete that's out there doing things, he's doing things right too. So I don't think he often really gets the credit he deserves and how much he gives back. And how vocal, I mean, regardless of how you feel about him, I think he's doing a lot of things right. So thumbs up, kudos yeah. to Magic Johnson for continuing to do things that are just amazing. And Chicago needs as much amazing yes. as it can get. And that's why I know about Michael get. Jordan. He won that lawsuit against Dominic's, which is no longer in business, about misusing his brand. And yes. I can't remember the amount of a lawsuit. I want to say... It was twenty six million. Like twenty six. It was like it was almost thirty million. He actually yeah. took that money. We don't know ex- exactly what he did with it, and he was going to divide it up among charities within Chicago and donate it. So for what it's worth, he, he does stuff. You just wish yes. he'd be a bit more involved because of his influence. That's all. But you know yeah. what? He's just not that kind of guy. He's just not. Whereas Magic yeah. Johnson is in the forefront. He's forging the charge. And hey, take it where you can get it. Chicago will take it wherever yeah. you can get it. That's for sure. Yep. Another story, that, and this is a feel-good story. There's a story that's coming out of New York about a fifth-grade girl who yes. was being bullied. Yes. And, and as we know, bullying has become the new epidemic for, for kids today to the point where we're seeing it result in school shootings, we're seeing it result in suicides, and for mm-hmm. many of us adults we're baffled because the concept of bullying is not new. But the level that it has escalated to, no one right. ever thought the, the repercussions would be to have the gravity that it has. Now, when I hear this yeah. story about this young girl who's only 10 years old and she's from Queens, New York, this tells me she must have solid family support because for her to do this is amazing. Her name is Egypt Ufili. She goes by the nickname of Effie. And she has been bullied for a number of years because she's overweight. Now, what people didn't realize is that the reason that she's over, overweight has medical reasons to it. She actually, in the story that they share, if you could see a picture of her, she used to be an average-sized young girl. Mm-hmm. But because of the face, fact that she has this medical issue, it caused her to gain weight. And then kids right. began to tease her, make fun of her, call her fat, so on and so forth, and this was coming from her peers. And instead of taking that, the taunts and the bullying she was getting for it, and the ridicule, she decided to launch her own fashion line, and what did she call it? Chubby line. Chubby. <laughs> Chubby lines. So Go right for it. Like, we're not going to make, we're not going to dress it up. Right. We're going to call it what it no. is and take it out. Yes. So she creates this, yes. it's called the Chubby line. And this, I mean, and this, this is more than just adults being involved. She actually took her grandmother's sewing machine and actually created the fashions herself because she can sew. So her clothing line is inspired by her African roots because she's her, her she's of she's not of Africans and her family's from Africa, so she uses like right. patterns and prints that um of are, are from her African roots and created a fashion line that she feels would be more flattering for larger body types, and someone got a hold of what she was doing, and 
listen to this. If this isn't crazy, her fashion line was actually featured in New York Fashion Week. Now tell me that's not Cute. turning around negativity yeah. and negative positive. Yeah. That, I think it's such a sweet story. I, I think it's such a sweet – it's so that, that she took that and did something positive with it. But I did – so now do kids like her? I'm curious to know if kids are like, oh, my fault. Or maybe it wasn't about other kids accepting her. Maybe they're still being mean to her. But since she's done something so positive with it, she probably doesn't even care. You know what I mean? Now, look, you're, you've just been fashion. You've been featured in the most prestigious fashion week there is on the, right. on the planet. You know, right. you have a you have a career that's already began, and the fashions are interesting. I mean, I couldn't look. I couldn't sew a, a straight stitch, Me let alone Me create either. a pattern and make clothes. Me and then, well, my grandmother had a sewing machine too. Never appealed to me, but the fact that she took something that was a passion of hers, which is she liked to right. sew. And, and made it a positive. I just think this is a great sure. story. But I also think this gets back to having good support and having people who help you work through it because we're seeing way too many situations where kids are being bullied and it's turning from, I'm not going to kill me, I'm just going to kill you and you and you and you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're yeah. seeing that it's, it's taking a turn for the worse. So here's a great example of a 10-year-old girl who said, look, you can take that and make it a positive. Kids are just mean. I think it's a fantastic story that I want to too. share. Another story on the upside, and this is something, if you want to make a kid feel good, if you want to share something, something that you can have a positive outcome with, listen to a story about D-Strong. This was reported by WPRI out of Boston. This is something you can do today to make a difference in a child's life that is terminally ill and passing away. Take a listen. In case you haven't already heard of him, we're going to introduce you to one of the bravest boys you'll ever meet. Dorian was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer nearly four years ago, and all he's asked for since is to be famous. It's a wish that's coming true thanks to the power of social media and the hashtag D-Strong. Eyewitness News reporter Walt Buto sat down with Dorian and his mom and joins us now with their story. Technology is definitely setting the story around the world fast, where many know about Rob Gronkowski's grit and guts. Well, now Rob knows a thing or two about Dorian. Kind of like based on Pokemon? Dorian. The breakthrough card. Is one of the toughest eight-year-olds you'll ever meet. All the meds, everything we have to go through, it's just a lot. It's a lot to take. You seem really strong, though. I am. After more than three and a half years of fighting cancer and a bad checkup in December, oh, how are you, buddy? D and his family made the decision to stop treatment just after the new year. Then three days ago, the boy with the enchanting blue eyes told his dad he had a goal. I'm just thinking before I go to heaven to try to be famous like as much as I can. What followed was a social network tidal wave. A couple of posts on Facebook, a few more on Twitter, and before his family and friends knew it, the world responded to D Strong. You have to like stay strong for D. We've got in Paris, Japan. Pictures from the Wall of China, from Australia, Switzerland, and then a face to face with Gronk. What are they saying about you? They're just saying to just keep fighting and that they all believe in me. And it's just, it's really nice to know that so many people are having my back with for me. He seemed older to us, too, with a sense of humor to match, despite what he's faced 
and still faces. I'm eight. You seem a lot older than eight. I'm, trust me, I'm eight. Do you have an ID? I have my birth certificate. <laughs> There's much more to this story, and we'll hear from Dorian and Dorian's mom about many of the issues facing kids with pediatric cancer. hundred types, more than a hundred types of this type of cancer, a low survival rate, and not a lot of money donated to that cause. More on that All later right. this week. That was WPRI Boston reporting on D. Strong, Dorian, who has pediatric cancer, and his family decided after Nikki um, having battled this for a number of years, his last checkup was not good, and they decided to stop treatment, which I alone has to be the that, that I can't uh, imagine having to make. I can't see. Uh, yeah, He's a brave little boy, and my thing, if, if yeah. the only thing he asks for is to be famous, I think we can yeah. all do it, and I wanted to share the story. So if you want to do something as simple as write D-Strong, take a picture, and post it on your social media page, you can. I posted the story in the chat room. It's one small gesture that costs us nothing. It's yes. a heartwarming story that I wanted to share with everybody. So do it. Absolutely. Do it. All yes. right, that's it for this show. Obviously, we're on every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 12 to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. You miss any shows, check it out here on my homepage or go to the iTunes Store podcast section and search Maya Kai Presents. Also, everything's on my website, mayakai.com. Nikki, if people want to connect with you when we're not on air, where can they find you? I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram. Enjoy your hump day, everybody, and do something nice, and that something nice is going to be for D-Strong today. Everybody just, like Maya said, do it. That can be our nice thing. All right, there you have it. We'll see you all on Friday. Follow Maya on Twitter at The Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this.